email todayradio at rte.ie. Now, after last week's massive explosion in Beirut, the city has been trying to clean up the devastation. Volunteers have been trying to help those left destitute by the damage. And all the while, Lebanon's government resigned earlier this week and any official response to the tragedy remains totally absent. Well, I'm joined on the line from Beirut now by Irish woman Sarah Sakan, who has found herself at the front line of the relief effort since travelling to Lebanon with her children last week. And thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. Um, just for context for our listeners, you're London Irish, so your mother Beatrice is from Sligo and, you, and you're an Irish national, but you also have a Lebanese side of the family as well through your husband. And that's, uh, that, that, that relationship is what brought you there um, last week. Um, so can you tell us, I suppose, firstly, your own experience of when this explosion occurred? Where were you? What happened? Yes. Um, thank you for having me on your show, Sarah. Um, we actually came to Beirut a couple of weeks ago to attend a family bereavement. And at the time of the explosion, um, we were at my mother-in-law's house receiving condolences. And suddenly we heard a really, a, a large explosion. It was terrifying, not like anything I've heard. So I just jumped to my feet and, and my first thought was, where are my children? I was shouting their name and the room was filled with maybe around 12 people or so who were paying their respects. And... Within, I'd say, 30, 40 seconds, you just heard the most almighty roar and the room shook like like a devastating earthquake. I didn't know if it was an earthquake, if it was a missile that was going to be in the middle of the living room. I honestly didn't know. And you just heard the sound of shattering glass, um, sirens. And I, I just grabbed my children and ran and hid in the corridor because I, I don't know how to respond in these situations, but I've probably seen it on TV that people run to the corridor. I don't know why, just away from the windows. But I could see that there was a big cloud of pink smoke. And bearing in mind, my mother-in-law's house is five, maybe six miles away from where the accident took place. Mm. So we, we just huddled in the corridor and, and, and you could hear people obviously terrified, screaming and praying and, and, and trying to phone other loved ones. And the lines went down temporarily for what might have been about three or five minutes. I, I've lost track of time of that 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 um, particular period, but it was absolutely terrifying. And so we stood there holding each other and thinking something else is going to happen because you, you don't know what it is. You think, well, maybe there's going to be a, a harder hit of whatever it is coming at us and, and just held on to each other until about 10 minutes or so when we could hear the television, somebody had switched the television on and we heard that there was an explosion. Well, that sounds absolutely terrifying, Sarah. But everybody did come out safely in your family. Uh, Thankfully, yes. I mean, our our front door was blown open. A window was shattered. But luckily, no one was in that room. Um, uh, But many, many of our friends have have lost their homes completely. and, And sadly have two friends who've lost their lives. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, Thank can you, you. Can you tell me then what, what the week has been like since then? You know, I, I know you've been helping people. <sighs> what are you doing? Yes. Yes. I mean, it, it's amazing how people quickly rush to the aid of others. Um, I'm not sure how much your audience is aware, but um, Lebanon has really gone through a, a crisis for the last year, I'd say, but the peak has been since Christmas, both politically and economically. Um, What happened on last Tuesday 
has been a seismic setback for them. Um, they are still in shock, absolute shock this week. Uh, it's it's unlike anything that they've had, even though when you think, especially back home, when anybody thinks about Lebanon, you think that it's war-torn and it's used to this type of thing. But I've heard from people on the ground when I've been volunteering, they've said, elderly people especially, and said, we've lived through the war for 15 years, but we've never seen anything like this. This this 30 seconds has been the equivalent of 15 years of war in terms of damage um, to us and, and to their, their homes, loved ones, and, and to the city itself. So in terms of the volunteering that we've been doing, um, I can only refer to it as the great power of the Lebanese people. Within 24 hours, it was the average man and woman, uh, predominantly groups of young volunteers who just armed themselves with brooms, shovels, hard hats and marigolds and got down to the affected areas. Um, we do not have a, a national emergency service in the city, so everything was down to the Lebanese Red Cross, who were very much involved in the search and rescue operation um, and cordoned off certain areas, I suppose an area the size of Zone 1 in London, if, if people are familiar with that to try and, and assist people. But the rest was just left to civilians to do and to NGOs um, who were already on the ground given the scale of the um, economic crisis in the country. So can you just, for um, example, describe to me what, what, what did you do yesterday? Yes, yes, of course. I mean, yesterday, we, we start very early. It starts off by receiving um, usually around 350 to 400 gallons of water. And those are distributed to the houses in the area that, that don't have any water. So for them to, to wash in the morning and to cook, to do whatever they, they can do. And by cook, I mean, it's very, very basic because usually it's just a, a, a gas cylinder connected to something very simple. There's no electricity in the houses. So um, they're unable to, to do much of their, their um, daily looking after or daily chores. Um, so we distribute those and we distribute food for the day. It starts off with some breakfast and also a little package of daily requirements that they might need milk, cheese, um, bread, uh, olive oil. That happens until about 12 o'clock and we have an, a station that's in the affected area. Most of the NGOs have put up little tents. We work closely with um, NGOs, smaller charities and NGOs on the ground. One in particular that we've been working closely with is called Lebanon Angels, which was just set up a week ago by four young women who felt the need to do something. So they package little parcels and those get sent out to various homes of uh, people who've contacted us and who are in dire need. Um, another thing that we did yesterday was we helped clear uh, the house of, of a, a young family, a lady called Yola, went to her house. It, it was in complete disarray. And it's been like that for six days now. While she waits for some help and help her move to a more secure place for the time being. And then we bring in people to assess what we can do to repair the damage it's it's very temporary at the moment. Mm. Uh, we'd put up plastic sheets, we'd put up ply boards, something to just make it safe while we assess the situation. And don't forget, many of these buildings are also very dangerous because we, we, we don't know whether they're going to collapse. Some of them are very old buildings. So we really have to be very careful. Um, there's a gentleman that we've been working with now for three days, Fuad, who's a taxi driver. 
if some of you go to our Instagram page, our Facebook page, you'll see um, his car was destroyed. That's his livelihood gone. But worse than that, he took me and showed me his car. Then he took me and showed me his one bedroom flat, which was completely collapsed uninhabitable his wife broke her back her two shoulders she's in hospital he doesn't have the money to pay for the hospital bill there's no national health service it's it's all private or through charities that's how you know he, he has to um uh, pay for things and medication is very expensive so, so that's Sarah, where we come in yeah absolutely and that's where you come in but where i i was about to say where is the government but we know the government resigned on on monday but is there the, any the, the, kind the, of the, official response well, well, None, none whatsoever. The government didn't even come out to pay condolences for what had happened until 48 hours after this to the people. Um, there really is very, very little. It, it's already a, a cash-strapped uh, nation, for various reasons, corruption being the headline that many people see back home. But I, I, you know, I'd like to take it away from the political story because in the Middle East, very often, the political story overshadows the humanitarian one. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed here. Um, and it may start by the government resigning. I think that's that's been welcomed by some people, but they also feel abandoned in their hour of need. Mm-hmm. The priority right now is just getting help into the hands of the people. And so the money that is coming through to local NGOs, it's doing a brilliant job. So I would just urge people, please do give to the NGOs. Um, It is getting through. It is helping people. And it's the difference between living and dying for them. It really is. There's no luxuries. You mentioned all the supplies that you are providing to people and and the volunteers are providing to people. Is there any concern over the stock of those supplies, like food and and pharmaceutical goods and things like that? Or are those getting into the area? For now, we've we've got some, but I think the stock is being depleted. Obviously, the port is out of action, which was a major um, hub to to receive um, imports. And Lebanon relies on imports almost for 80% of of, uh, what it needs, with the exception of agriculture. So there's great fear that that will be coming in the next month or so. Um, I believe that international aid has started to come online. I haven't seen much of it on the street. But I've seen lots of planes coming through and I've seen lots of officials walking around. And so I'm hoping that it will start to trickle through to your average man and woman. But it really is so sad. I walk through the streets and and I'm approached by people who are giving me their phone numbers and saying, please, can you come and check on my neighbor? People are also very proud and, and quite humble. So they'll never say to you, I'm hungry. I need something. They'll say, my neighbor needs it. She lives alone. Um, can you come and see her? She needs her medication. Nobody mm-hmm. is looking after her. And that's really what we've been doing with the aids of the local NGOs. Yeah, and you have here. organised a fundraising yes. campaign to, to assist with your work. So where can people get more information about that? I have. I have indeed. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. And we have our website. It's called Family to Family Beirut Relief Fund. The website is familytofamilybeirut.com. Um, and we would be very grateful for donations, especially from the Irish, because Ireland holds a very dear place in the heart of the Lebanese. The empathy that runs between these two very small nations really cannot be overstated. 
and they they have faced similar uh, adversities I would say and they really they share a lot of values for family and community and I'm being half Irish and my other half is Syrian and living here I can see that these connections really do run deep in terms of the sense of humor the kindness the generosity mm. of spirit so we would be very very grateful if people would come on board and okay. um can can I just ask you finally, Sarah, what about yourself? How how long are you planning to stay? I mean, most people, if they'd gone through what you had gone through, would be on the first plane home. Yes, well, that was that was meant to be, Sarah. That was meant to be a day after, two days after the um, explosion. But you just can't walk away from this. It's just too big. The need is too strong. And so we've extended. We'll probably be coming back next week on Tuesday or Wednesday, I've got to get back to practical issues like my sister, my, my daughter's GCSE results are out on Wednesday and we have to quarantine for two weeks before they can get back to school and school uniforms. But okay. that seems a world away at the moment from the chaos that is happening here. I'm sure it does. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning um, to, to talk us through it. And that website again is familytofamilybeirut.com if people want to look for it. Or you can search for the GoFundMe if you put in Family to Family Beirut Relief Fund. But for now, at least, uh, Sarah Sakan in Beirut, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Today with Sarah McInerney on RTE Radio 1.